السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا ونبينا وحبيبنا وحبيب ربنا وطبيبنا ومولانا محمد ومولانا محمد عبد الله ورسوله Respected علماء الكرام Respected elders and brothers in Islam Last week we were discussing the Ten Commandments that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given in Surah An'am verses 151 to 153. So last week we discussed, till the time was up, we discussed the first five commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and our Mulana Zakir felt that we should complete this this week. So we are inshallah, we'll try to complete the next five commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just to recap, for the benefit of those who may not have been here last week, these are the ten commands that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given in Surah An'am. And we discussed the five last week very briefly to summarize them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the first command says that we must not make shirk with him at all. That Allah ta'abudu, that we mustn't worship him alone. The second one is, ihsana, That we should be very kind to our parents. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that we must not kill our children, bury our daughters alive in the context of the Arabian Peninsula at that time. Neither must we abort our children. It is who, it is we who provide for you and for them as well. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا تَقْتُلُ النَّفْسَ الَّتِي حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ إِلَّا بِالْحَقِّ They don't commit murder, do not kill anybody unjustly, except for valid reasons, and where a qadi in a Muslim court passes judgment, etc. We explain that. And the fifth command was, وَلَا تَقْرَبُ الْفَوَاحِشَ مَا ظَهَرَ مِنْهَا وَمَا بَطَنْ That do not go near indecent acts, do not go near things which are immodest and shameful, etc. So those are the first five commands. Now the next command is, وَلَا تَقْرَبُوا مَالَ الْيَتِيمِ إِلَّا بِالَّتِي هِيَ أَحْسَنُ حَتَّى يَبْلُغَ أَشُدَّةِ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they do not eat the wealth of orphans. This is quite easy for any, every one of us to understand regarding the wealth of the orphan. Now many a times we are placed into positions as trustees of estates where they are orphans. And how prudent and particular we must be when handling those estates and the duty of trusteeship is a very huge burden and responsibility. It's best not to take that responsibility if one can take that responsibility. Similarly, to become a trustee of a masjid is a very, very great responsibility. Sometimes it's better not to be a trustee because the, the duty, the, the mantle of responsibility placed on a person is so huge that one fears that one may not fulfill that responsibility how it's supposed to be fulfilled. So coming to the wealth of an orphan, Imam Abu Hanifa rahmatullahi this is his qawl and this is the Hanafi uh, madhab as well that the orphan Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says when it comes of age then you give him his wealth you hold his wealth in trusteeship 
you have custody of his wealth, you can invest his wealth to better his wealth, but not better yourself using his wealth. You better that wealth, you, you increase that capital of that orphan in whichever way as you would do for yourself. So, and when he comes of age, now when he comes of age means he comes of an age of understanding, not in puberty itself. Sometimes a 14, 15 year old is not mature enough to handle his own wealth. So when he comes of understanding, Imam Abu Hanifa rahmatullah says that even if he doesn't come of understanding, but when he reaches the age of 25, that's the, the, the level that he, the age of 25, then you have to hand over your wealth to him also. Then you can't hold on to his wealth. But if the person is certainly not in a position, position even at the age of 25 to control and administer his own wealth, then that has to be administered by a third party. You put his wealth into trust, you have somebody overlooking his wealth, etc. Another very important aspect is when a janazah takes place and the marhum has left behind orphan children. How often in our community, and this is a sickness in our community, that when in the janazah still hasn't even been buried, and already the meal arrangements and the parting arrangements have started already. A janazah is a very somber occasion. It is not an occasion of merrymaking. It is not an occasion of feasting. It is not an occasion of gathering at the mayyid's house to have meals there for days on end. Each person should be eating in his own house. Yes, the people who have lost somebody, the bereaved, we should be sending some food for them. And the closest, the akriva, the closest of people should be with them to comfort them, serve them, etc. But there is, it's not an occasion now that we have to put up markis, we have to order waiters, and we have to have merry, merry feasts. It's not an occasion. The occasion, the janazah is a very somber occasion. It's an occasion of seriousness. How will the bereaved party feel when people gather there and they laugh and they joke and, and they continue as if life is normal? It's highly insensitive. Similarly, just to digress a little bit, the Qabristan also, a great wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, about a month ago he came to our, to, to Durban and he happened to go into the Hilal Qabristan. I was with him at that time and there was a jamaat with him. So he wanted to know why is this Qabristan so decorated? Why is it so neat and tidy? Yes, the Qabristan should be neat and tidy, but it's supposed to be decrepit. It's supposed to be forlorn. You don't plant things in the covers. You must make it look natural. It, when you go to the Qabristan, it must remind you of Maut, that it's a desolate place down there. It's barren down there. The only thing there is your A'mal, good and bad. That's the only thing that accompanies you. So even the Qabristan shouldn't be a, de- a, a decorated place where we have it manicured and we have, you know, beautiful flowers, etc. It's not a place. What do the dead benefit in flowers? And what are the living going to benefit if they're going to see that in the Qabristan? Rather, it must be forlorn, decrepit, desolate. It should be left natural, in its natural state. So this is just by the way. Then coming to so many complaints we get about the fact that the wealth of orphans has been eaten. And how are we going to answer for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when we make decisions sometimes in our favor, when we are handling the wealth of orphans, when we are holding positions of trust, etc., when we are holding positions of amanat, etc., when we make khiyanat of that. How are we going to repay those orphans? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the eating of the wealth of orphans and Allah equates it in another ayat of the Quran. It's like filling your belly with the fire of Jahannam. Eating the wealth of an orphan unjustly is like filling your belly with the fire of Jahannam. And we know the famous hadith of Prophet ﷺ that on the day of Qiyamah, 
Nabi Sallallahu asked the Sahaba that who's a Muflis person, who's an insolvent person, who's a bankrupt person. We understand liabilities exceed assets in our understanding. That's what Sahaba mentioned. So Nabi Sallallahu said, no, that's, that's a bankrupt person technically, insolvent person. But the real bankrupt person is that person on the day of Qiyamah. He will come with mountains of good deeds. All his hajj and umrahs and zakat and sadaqah and the building of masajids and spending in the path of Allah and all those good deeds he did. All that khidmat and all those good deeds he accumulated. And then there will be somebody who will make a claim. There will be a claimant against those mountains and mountains of good deeds. Until eventually the person will have no good deeds left. And then there will be further claimants on those, on those good deeds. There will be no currency of the akhirah good deeds left. Until that person will be lumped with the, with the, with the claimant's evil. With the claimant's bad deeds. And that person, Nabi Wasallam said, he will be flung into the fire of Jahannam. So wealth is such a thing. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala explained that wealth is against you both ways. If wealth is halal, then you have to give hisab for that wealth. You have to account for that wealth. And if wealth is haram, then you have to give, you're gonna get adab for that wealth. Sometimes that adab starts in this dunya. Sometimes it's in the qabr. And sometimes it will be, and definitely it will be in the akhirat. On that day when the scale will be opened up, and there will be absolute justice in this world, we can get away. We can use every loophole to get away in this world, usurping the wealth of others. But on the day of Qiyamah, there is no getting away. When the scale of deeds will be opened, and the just, the most just of all, Allah Rabbul Izzat, Allah Jalla Jalaluhu, Ammala Waluhu, when He will effect justice on that day, when there will be nobody there to stop His justice. So let us take cognizance of this. Coming back, I mentioned briefly that when we go to the Mayyit, to go to a home of a Mayyit, and there are often children there sometimes. We must understand that that contents of that home also. Bilhad, the orphan has a she in that sometimes. While we understand that the, that the heirs may be all mature. But if there are orphans among the heir, the wuratha, we have to be extra cautious that we do not consume something that the orphan she will be consumed by us. We attended a janaza in Port Chepston on one Friday. And immediately after the janaza, we were leaving. And the Mayyid's brother, the Mayyid had many small children. So the Mayyid's brother being an alim, he says, you can't go, you're a musafir, you have to partake of lunch, you have come from far. So I said, Jazakallah, he says, I'm assuring you that everything here is provided by myself, nothing from the wealth of the orphans has been used, nothing from my brother's home has been used. So how careful and considerate we have to be when it comes to the wealth of an orphan and fulfilling that amanat and the trust and handing that wealth over to that orphan when he reaches of age, of reaches age or of understanding. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, That when we are weighing and when we are measuring then give full weight. Be just when we are weighing, when we are measuring. Give full weight. Hazrat Mufti Shafi Sahib rahmatullahi explained in his tafsir that this extends beyond just measuring. It, it applies to us in every aspect of life. If I am an employer, then I must make sure that I am paying my worker what's due to him. And if he's worked overtime for me and voluntarily he has done it also, 
because he can't say anything, make sure you pay him for that also. Even if he refuses, make sure you fulfill what you have to fulfill. The domestic workers at home, they are working for us. We know this legislation. And if they are working beyond those hours, make sure that as we would like to be treated, we treat them with justice also. Pay them what's overtime, pay to them and due to them. When it comes to us being an employee, then we have to fulfill that trust also. We have to ensure that we fulfill the employer's trust in every aspect of, of, of our employment. Even if it comes to using the amenities of the employer, our Akabirin was so particular when they used to teach in the Madaris, there used to be a cushion place for them when they're teaching Hadith, etc. So many of our Akabirin, after their dars, they'll sit on the floor. They'll move away from the cushion. So somebody says, but your age warrants that you sit there. Said, but that's an amanat that belongs to the madrasa. That is for me to teach the students. Once that's over, I don't have to sit and use the cushion of the madrasa. An incident comes to mind regarding the amanat dari, weighing and measuring in full. One of our akabirin has said, Umarji rahmatullah ali. And we constantly mention him because we saw him and he graced this masjid on so many occasions for Jummah and his majalis, etc. So once, many years ago, the older generation, we understand the call box system we had, a 5 cent, 10 cent and a 20 cent call you can make. That things were quite reasonable in those days. So 5 cent, you could make a call in those old call boxes. You put the coin and you drop it. But today it's something that even our, new, our younger generation won't even understand. So once he came to the Jamiatul Ulama office, he was the president of the Jamiatul Ulama. He was the Amir. He came to serve the Jamiat. And when he came there, then he needed to make a call that somebody must come and fetch him while serving, making khidmat. So after he made the call, then he went and gave five rand to the, for the petty cash to the finance department. At that time, five rand was a little more than what it's worth, obviously. So the person there, the bookkeeper said, no, but it's not even five rand. It's more than even 50 cent. He says, I'd rather be cautious tomorrow being in the court of Allah. I'd rather be extra cautious. Even if that call was just five cent, I'd rather be five rand. At least I'm clear with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he mentioned to us that in my entire life, I have been serving the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for over 50 years. In my enti- I haven't taken a cent for the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not that it's not permissible. It is permissible how a person is going to survive otherwise. But he said, it's not, I haven't taken, it just was his personal nature. He had never taken a cent for the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So how careful we must be when it comes to weighing and measuring. And this extends to every other aspect of our life, besides employment, besides employer, employee, that in every aspect of our lives, we are fair, we are just, we give and take as we, as, as just as possible. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَا لُكَلِّفُ نَفْسًا إِلَّا وُسَاهَا This has different, different interpretations, but one of them is a person has taken every precaution in doing business that he's weighing properly, he's measuring properly, he's giving properly, he's showing the correct figures, he's paying the overtime, and then if he errs, after doing everything right, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not take him to account, inshallah. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذَا قُلْتُمْ فَعْدِلُوا وَلَوْ كَانَ ذَا قُرُبَا وَإِذَا قُلْتُمْ فَعْدِلُوا And speak with justice. Even those, if, they are, if you are going to speak against them, even if they are your close relatives, even if it's your son, and you have to speak against him, that's what the Qur'an Sharif commands. Even if it's your father, and if your father is in the wrong, you have to speak out against your own father also. You have to correct your father. You cannot side with somebody just because of blood relationship. 
I was speaking to a doctor, an elderly doctor, a few months ago, and he was, and this ayah came to mind, and he was telling me that, Mulana, he was telling me about himself something, and he's telling me that, you know, my daughter got divorced, and my ex-son-in-law, their family phoned me for reference on him. My ex-son-in-law, his a family phoned because he wants to get remarried, and I gave them an excellent reference on my ex-son-in-law. How, how often will a person do such a thing? He says, my son-in-law was an excellent person. It was my daughter who was at fault. She, he wasn't responsible for the marital breakup. The pro- problem and the fault lied with my own daughter. Imagine saying this here. What justice. This is the Quranic command. They don't run that person down. And so often we see, especially in marital breakups, that now when somebody seeks reference on certain person, just because it's our daughter or it's our son, we will go out of the way to run that person down. We will add spice and we will run that person down without any justification. But this applies in every aspect of our life. That we must speak without favor or fervor. What's haq is haq. What's the truth is truth. Whether it's palatable or unpalatable to a person, we have to do what's right. And the right thing to do is to speak the truth and to speak with justice. Whether a person finds it offensive or what, the fact is we have to speak the truth and say it as it is. And the truth we have to mention at all times. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying And fulfill your pledges Fulfill your pledges Now pledges here We understand there are various uh, interpretations given by the Mufassirun One of them is that pledge we made to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala In the alamul arwah When Allah in the world of the souls There are three different worlds one will be the alamul barzakh that we will be going into. Once we pass away, we will go into the world of the riyam, the riyam of the souls. So, the barzakh. So, in the riyam of the souls, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Am I not your Rabb? Alastu bi Rabbikum. Am I not your Rabb? And the souls answered, Qalu bala. Indeed you are our souls. So it refers to that as well. Indeed you are our Rabb. So since you testified that Allah is your Rabb, now bring iman in Allah, fulfill His commands. Another interpretation of they'll fulfill all our pledges. Whatever pledges we have made with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the pledge that we are going to follow the deen, we have brought iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now we accept His injunctions in totality. Not what appeals to us, I'll accept. What doesn't appeal to us, no, I can't accept. When it comes to inheritance again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it clear. So where's the gender equality in that? But this is the hukum of Allah, that the female will get half the share of the male. So are we going to fight with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said that the female will get half the male share only, then we are going to say gender equality? How often when we deal with such matters, then the person has to go to the, the, the law of the land. No, I go by the law of the land. And I will not accept the sharia. I will go. That is clear cut kufr. The one who rules, the one who accepts something against what Allah has decided, then he is from the kafirun. And that wealth will be a source of misery for that person person who accepts such wealth, usurps the wealth of his co-heirs or his siblings, that wealth will become a source of misery, unhappiness. Generations to come will bear the burden of the ill effects of that wealth. So we have to be so careful and cautious. Then another explanation the Mufassirun give, 
is that a vow we have made to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ya Allah, if you cure me of this illness, or Allah, if I pass this exam, then I will do A, B, C, D. Ya Allah, if I pass this exam, I will go for Umrah. If I do this, I will do that. If you do this for me, Allah, I'll build a masjid in your name. So, it is very important that we fulfill that mannat and that vow that we have made with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And finally, وَأَنَّ هَذَا صِرَاطِ مُسْتَقِيمًا فَاتَّبِعُوهُ then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is saying, That this is my path, the straight path, sirati mustaqima, the tenth command. Follow this path, the path of righteousness. Mustaqim. We do not follow any other path except the straight path, the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the path of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the path of Deenul Islam, Siratul Mustaqim. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that do not turn away. وَلَا تَتَّبِعُوا السُّبُلَ فَتَفَرَّقَ بِكُمْ عَنْ سَبِيلِ And do not move away from this path. One is follow the path. And the other is do not move away from this path. Remain on the cause. Remain on that, on that destiny, on that map. Remain on that map and you will reach your destination. You'll reach the finishing line. You'll reach the goalpost of life. And the ultimate goalpost of life is to leave this dunya with Kamil Iman. If a person leaves his dunya with complete iman, then he has indeed been successful. He has remained on the path. He has remained on the cause. In between these ayat, ayat 51, 52, 53, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, The first ayat at the end, I am, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is advising us regarding these commands, So that you may ponder, you may use your intelligence, you may use your intellectual ability to understand this. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after the next set of ayat, is saying, Allah is advising you so that you may understand, you may remember, you may remember, you may recount. And finally Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, ذَلِكُمْ وَصَّاكُمْ بِهِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is advising you so that you have the consciousness of Allah. That you have taqwa, the consciousness, the recognition that my Allah is watching me wherever I am. Whatever I'm doing, my Allah can see me. He's watching me in every condition. Allah is watching me in secrecy. Allah is watching me in the open. So then, the, the Hazrat Mufti Shafi Sahib explains. He says that this alludes that this is the wasiya of the Prophet We mentioned that <coughs> Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala mentioned that if anybody wants to see the wasiya, the legacy and the bequest of Rasulullah then it's these ten commandments. And these Allah's, and these words are used as well. Throughout these three ayat, ذَلِكُمْ وَصَّاكُمْ ذَلِكُمْ وَصَّاكُمْ ذَلِكُمْ وَصَّاكُمْ Allah is advising you. So this is truly the wasiya and the legacy of Rasuli Pak alayhi salatu wassalam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give each and every one of us tawfiq to make amal on this year. The month of Ramadan is on our doorstep, just about 23 days away. Let us get ourselves ready. Let us get ourselves focused. Let us fulfill the rights of each, every person. Those whose rights we have usurped or we are usurping. 
let us fulfill those rights, let us pay back people what we are owing them, let us give back their dues, wherever we have violated their rights in terms of the Sharia, we have backbited somebody, we have we have made ghibat, we have made buhtan, slandered somebody, we have said Ill, something ill of somebody, let us make amends for that. We have violated anybody's rights in any other way, let us make amends. Let us come onto a clean slate before the month of Ramadan, so when the month of Ramadan starts, we start it on a good footing and on a clean slate, inshallah. Jazakumullah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.